Right, guys, welcome back to another podcast. So this is podcast number 14 of Conscious Conversation. <laughs> and today's guest, so I've swapped out my good friend Craig, and I'm joined by Alex and Sarah. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're good, thanks. How are you? I'm really good, yeah. So just saying it before we went live that um, I, was, I just finished the podcast with Craig and uh, there was just a quick 10 minute turnover. I'm already on the second podcast. So pretty interesting process. Uh, so see how this goes. Yeah, we're pro it by the end of a lockdown. Oh, I feel like I'm going to start fumbling on my words and slurring. So hopefully <laughs> you guys take most of the conversation and I'm just listening and then stuff. Um, but yeah, so when I approached you guys last week, when I approached Alex, um, the intention was to try and get more guests on our podcast so we get different angles from different professionals and people that we know. So we're fortunate that we're surrounded by really, really cool people. Um, but then I thought it's, it's not just, a, it'd be nice to have Sarah on as well because you get the nutrition aspect of it, especially since she's been posting a lot about that um, and how you guys are doing with the lockdown. So let's start there. Let's start with your professional backgrounds and how you guys are responding to the lockdown. Do you want to go first? Okay, so <laughs> I've been in the industry now for three, coming up to three years-ish. Um, and I'm currently now at Pure Gym Urban Exchange in Manchester City Centre, uh, where I've been for, yeah, well, I suppose over a year and a half. And um, yeah, that's kind of, I don't know, I don't know too much, too much more to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not really so, you're not upselling yourself very much. Are no, you? I haven't. I've really really completely just underestimated everything. Do you know what we should do? You should, Alex. You should sell Sarah, and Sarah, you should sell Alex. And that that will help. <laughs> That's better, right? Okay. So Alex has been in the industry for three years um, as a personal trainer. Um, he is an online coach as well, so he's been doing that for the past year. Um, he also works um, with a few other brands. So um, oh, yeah. there's bulk powders which are a nutrition company oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um he also works with a meal prep company um and yeah his i think instagram presence has grown quite a lot over the past like 18 months especially um is it all coming back to you now <laughs> yeah but now i have to big you up now as well don't I? <laughs> yeah yeah nice the other way around so what about sarah well so you qualified like this year haven't you and have kind of been it, it's quite it's motivating and she's slight well we've been going out for almost five years and went after uni and choosing a job it was like okay don't she didn't really necessarily know what to do and started working at Barclays and went down that banking route and never got that inspiration and joy out of it and slowly your love for like the gym and fitness and food just kept developing didn't it and then over like when was it you joined block like a year ago coming up to a year yeah so then joined block and obviously then i remember you being like i'm happy now because i'm now in the industry and i think that then gave you this amazing um exposure to everything around it and an amazing like we always say the manchester fitness community is absolutely like wicked so mm-hmm being like involved in that and then that's just continued to develop to being like actually you know what I want to be a coach I want to go that and down that route and actually then qualified as a PT and you've you're in such a good position because you you spent 
time way before you qualified building up your social media and building your presence your brand and then now you've qualified it's like right well let's go smashing it and you've now what been doing like the online side of things and and really just going going heads on for it and I, I even said to you the other day I was like you're at the stage like where I am now but I was like it's you're so much further ahead than I was in like two months so you're gonna absolutely smash it in the years to come so it'll be cool yes sir a lockdown yeah thanks for that. <laughs> well no i think it was but a good I think, thing I, the thing with sarah is um a large portion of us that work a block have seen the transformation i've seen the transition so a lot of people when it comes to social media you end up meeting these people or seeing these people when they've made the name for themselves or they've done pretty well for themselves but you rarely ever see someone go from zero to where they are right now and where they're going um and then when you see that you really do start to appreciate like personally like i always thought oh you know these opportunities came about you met the right people at the right time things just fell into place for you but you can get easily into that mindset when you see someone who's already established themselves but with you we've seen the, the work that you've been doing so you know you really do understand and appreciate how hard it is just to kind of get consistent content out there and, and just to, to push everything out there and, and almost uh, become vulnerable as well because you're, you're mm. entering a realm where people are judging you based on the way you look, the way you're acting and just, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite amazing to watch that. Whereas with Alex, um, when I came across you in Pure Gym, you were just establishing yourself, but I was away from Pure Gym because I moved to training in JD. So I didn't really see that transformation or that transition. No, yeah, true. So, yeah, it's, it's quite amazing. And, and to see this happen through the lockdown, I think the lockdown, again, it, it's, it's also been a good thing because you get time to focus on these aspects of your life where originally Sarah would be in working in block most of her time, working on a course, and then the, the Instagram stuff would just be, just be a side project almost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, like, especially for me and, like, you as well, I think lockdown has definitely been a chance for me to almost be right this is my opportunity to do all the things that I always wanted to do but maybe didn't have as much time to do it I always try I always have the time to fit it in but the quality and the amount of effort that I put into it was never always there so I've definitely took it to my advantage that you know this is the best time for me to do all these things that I've got planned and yeah I think this past like six weeks like so much has changed um and I think a lot of people get into at the start of lockdown, we're kind of in a bit of a rut of like, what, what can I do? Um, what options have I got? And I think it's amazing if you just look back, look back at the past like eight weeks, how much has actually gone on and how much we've done, we have done. So. Yeah. yeah, it's just been a huge, huge blessing for a lot of us. Just talking to Julia last week about it. Uh, I think I, I think she'll be the next guest anyway, but she was mentioning it. She goes, I don't, again, I'm not trying to, um, talk about something that we probably shouldn't be talking about but she did say look i know that a lot of people are struggling and they found this whole lockdown thing hard but personally she found it like the best thing in the world for her because she was just burning herself out doing the same thing over and over again and she just needed to step away but she didn't know how to step away so this almost yeah. forced her to step away and uh yeah it's been the same for me i've really been i thought i was going to really push my online content in this period i've done the opposite because i feel as though i've needed it i just needed to get away for a bit um just to get away from all the the attention from the classes and then on top of that doing photo shoots and it's just yeah it's good and it's a nice lifestyle to live but you also need to slow everything down as well and yeah yeah definitely and it's just a different lifestyle like i think now we've 
all adapted to change so quickly um it's amazing to watch like I think everyone panicked at the start for example how are we all going to keep in our routines with training like getting up early stuff like that but I think like now we're all getting on with our day-to-day life like it's a normal thing and you just yeah. adapt to change quite quickly so it, it's good for us well, it's, like it's, it's been on now so long I'm worried about coming back again yeah, yeah I completely agree it's gonna be really weird <laughs> like that that sort of four five four 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 forty five a.m wake up I'm gonna be like what are you doing with your life? <laughs> yeah, it's made you self-reflect that, like that as well. So uh, I've actually started waking up early. You know, usually I'm quite late. I used to wake up about 10, 11, 11 o'clock. <laughs> now I've been up at eight, at nine o'clock and uh, just getting shit done. It's just, it's really interesting how it changes your current, your daily habits. Yeah. Um, but I've also noticed the training as well. So let's, let's talk about that as well. Well, first of all, yeah. Alex, uh, would it be fair to say that one of the reasons that you become successful is because you're focusing on the part of the fitness industry that doesn't really sell, you know, it doesn't put a lot of light on it, which is the mobility and the flexibility aspect. And I think, you know, yeah, go for it. Well, yeah, it like massively. And I think what's interesting, like I, I, I did this, I spoke about it on my own podcast the other day of how much I now place performance over aesthetics and how back when I first started in the gym, it was complete opposite. Um, but it is so important. And as you said, it's the thing that doesn't necessarily sell. And it's, I'm not trying to sell to people that I love, like I want to get people in shape and I want people to feel great about how they look. But first and foremost, it's like, well, let's get you moving well. And it's, it's a byproduct. And what I love about focusing on that moving well and mobility and performance is you get both. So when you just focus on aesthetics, you, you could look amazing, but then you, you can't run up the stairs. You can't like jump around. You've got no mobility. You can't, you can't do anything with like in terms of flexibility. Whereas by flipping that on its head and focusing on that performance and focusing on everything that involves around that, you get both. You're not going to be able to do the things that you can and take it to those extremes. And then you're not going to, you'll be like a fat person and you'll look rubbish. Like it just wouldn't happen. So yeah I completely agree it's like it's a thing that doesn't necessarily sell but in a way I think that's helped to sell myself because it's established my niche and especially when I look at like my social media and um what kind of happened to really push my growth up was really just pushing out loads of mobility content and kind of offering both because obviously you've got physios and you've got all these people who are who are credited and they that's all they do and then you've got people who just post workouts and I think I went in at the right time of when there wasn't many people doing both on social media. Like there was people and coaches all doing it. But I think I just came in and, and started marketing at, the, at kind of the right time. Yeah, I think it was like a bit unique as well. Like I think there's so many account, accounts, especially on Instagram, of people posting workouts. And I think we've even said before, like anyone can post a workout video anyone can think of four exercises and put them on a video, but putting a bit more effort into actually putting like a mobility routine or something with that bit more value that the everyday person won't think about if yeah. they've not got the knowledge behind it. So it's, I think it's just using your personal training qualification and your gym floor knowledge to your advantage and putting that bit more value out there as well. But it's like, it's like when people say to me, like, oh, I just don't know about mobility. I'm like, yeah, but neither did I. And they're like, oh, I need to go on a mobility course. And I'm like, no, you don't. 
I just used to spend time YouTubing and reading articles and watching. And at the end of the day as well, following the right people on, on social media helps massively. Like I still to this day learn so much off who I follow and the same with YouTube and the same with Instagram. And I think that's what so many people just, they think that oh, I have to do a course and it's like, you just Google it. Like if you want to know some good stretches, good mobility exercises for your hips, just type top 10 into Google and you're going to be able to find new exercises that you haven't tried before. Yeah, I think it's really important as well. Um, like I've always been a big advocate of it. But then my issue was, like you said, it's very difficult to sell something that, again, it takes mobility way longer than aesthetics. Plus, you know, you don't get the immediate results. So someone looking at you won't realize that you're mobile unless you display that. So if you're going into the extremes of mobility, going into like splits and stuff. And yeah, that's different. But I always felt it started. So when I got into mobility in 2014, it's largely because I had knee problems from squatting. Now, I can squat deep anywhere. I can squat deeper than most people that go into a squat anywhere. But I wasn't using that because I thought a squat is doing what other people are doing, which is not even getting to 90 degrees. Uh, but then once I went beyond that, I realized, actually, I've been doing this shit since I was a kid. Um, why am I not doing this? And by not doing that, it was causing the uh, direct effect on my knee. So just working backwards and realizing that, okay. And I, I went, when I started, I went against everything that, industry said so stretching before you train that was a huge sort of like mantra of mine so stretching before you train and it was so weird i wouldn't do it now but i used to do reverse pyramid sets so i used to start off with the heaviest set first so i used to stretch go with the heaviest set and then work my way down on <laughs> volume and people used to be like how the fuck are you just walking in there squatting like 120 all the way down and pausing for a second at the bottom um but it's just yeah i just think that the way to learn all these things is, like you said, do a bit of research, find at least one stretch. So if you're having problems with your hip, find one stretch and stick with it. Try that shit out yeah. uh, and then see how the experience feels, then build on that. And I think, like you said, people get way too caught up with where do I start? You know, find what's causing you the biggest problems, start from there, right? Yeah. And you touched on it as well about how you, you started focusing on it when you, when you like hurt your knee. And that's something I, I get across to people a lot now is it's like, you sh we shouldn't focus on mobility when so many people focus on it when they get an injury. And it's like, no, no, you should focus on it in the first instance. So to avoid that almost ever happening. And so you can continue doing the things you want to do. Um, and I think that's a lot of people's mindsets is they get injured and then they start focusing on it. And then it just becomes like a, and they're like, oh, actually, this is really good. I, I enjoy it. But I think to try and flip it on its head and do it the other way around is, is where it's going to be more beneficial. Well, beneficial to not get injured in the first place. Yeah, definitely. The thing is, the industry we're in, you're going to get injured. You know, it's just one of those things. You're going to try and yeah. minimize those injuries, but you're going to get injured. And if you're in a better situation to, to reduce the in injury in the first place, um, I think you know, that's where all of the stuff that you've learned about mobility and using the, the, the stuff and bringing it into practice comes into play. You know yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's, um, so I don't know if you guys have heard of a guy called Kit Lockley wow. no so he's very he's big if you know anything about uh, especially the acrobatic side of flexibility so going into like front splits pancakes etc he's big in that he's a uh, he's a teacher at the University of Western Australia uh, he's mm -hmm. retired now but he still he has a lot of programs out there and, uh, a lot of my stuff is based on his research um, originally I was doing it without realizing, and then I found, finally found a mentor that backed up what I was saying. 
uh, about making sure that you can't squat all the way down and having a certain range of mobility. And um, yeah, I found his, his methods very interesting. Um, and he describes it as you want to bring some sort of elegance back to your, to your body. So the best analogy he uses is a cat. Now, if you, if you approach a cat and a cat doesn't want, to, doesn't want you to approach it, what happens? You know, everything stands out. All the muscles contract and it's in a, it just becomes like a fiery ball of just pure fury. Uh, but the single instance you leave it alone, it manages to relax. All the body slows down. And Kit describes that as uh, cats have the ultimate yoga because every single day they stretch off their entire body. So they can lick every single part of their body. And that's something that we are never taught. You know, obviously, not to lick every single part of the body, but to have that sort of flexibility from a young age and, and maintain it throughout life. And, and now we're suffering for it, and especially sat on a chair. No, we're seeing the repercussions of not doing that. Yeah, mm. I'm noticing that massively. Like my, particularly like my lower back is more stiff sometimes. And it's like, say if I go to train, I'm like, oh, that's all. Just because mm. I'm spending so much time sat down that I never used to. I think as well, like, um, especially during lockdown, people are getting more sleep, especially people within the fitness industry. Yeah. I think they're used to getting maybe like five or six hours a night and then kind of like napping in the day or whatever. Now mm. we're all able to get our eight or nine hours i think you're waking up and you are feeling a bit more more stiff and like you need to move a bit more because you've spent that a little bit longer sleeping so. yeah yeah definitely and one thing about flexibility i realized is the more flexible you become the more you feel the tightness so on a day yeah, that you are yeah, you're yeah. so tight you know straight away that it's something that you haven't done mm. Yeah, I'll find that like it was the other day I was like about to train legs and I was like, oh, my hips are so tight. And so I was like, but they're not. And I was like, no, no, but they're my hips and I can feel that they're tight. You know, you definitely know. <laughs> um, so what about Sarah? Is she more into the flexibility stuff? Are you pulling her into it or what's happening? Brian, I think I'm, you are. Yeah, go on. As you say, I'm learning from you. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's something that naturally just like clicks in my head. So I have to put a bit more effort into kind of learn it um especially even like warm-ups and cool downs like my creativity with them is quite is quite limited so i'm that's something i'm trying to work on at the moment and even even as basics as like when we're teaching classes I, i'm trying to think of different different things we can do because obviously it does get boring but yeah I'm, I'm trying to learn more that's helping probably a lot though isn't it is doing all the like warm-ups and things and yeah like when i go through drills then it's like oh yeah. and i think you kind of touched on it there as well. It's like, for me personally, like I have a genuine interest in it, mm -hmm. which is why I preach so much of it and it's why I do it so much. And I don't think you have that like real passion for it. Yeah. Probably, maybe yet. Like I feel like as time goes on, cause I was the same when I first started as a PT in the industry, I didn't care, mm -hmm. but it just, it kind of just kept developing and developing. And I, where, so where I was before my first gym was a very, like everyone was a lot older um so that was the main reason i actually learned about it was because if i didn't i wouldn't have had clients so everyone was coming to me saying that they've got like bad knees bad shoulders bad hips so i was like right well i need to know how to work around that and i need to know how to make their hips better so they can squat better and it obviously that was this then a come snowball and then it just to kind of where it is today and i think when you look back at if I look back at how long I've been in the industry for you, I didn't have that passion yet. 
so mm. it's just something that develops isn't it so yeah I think in, in terms of like my own personal um, training like like this time last year like I probably never never yeah, used to that's warm up true, actually, yeah, yeah. like my warm-up was very very quick like very basic and like now like just if you would say to me oh like gyms are open go just go back squat I'd be like oh my god no that'd be hor- horrible so I think you just more the more knowledge you learn in terms of the whole picture the more you think about it and I'm picking up things as I go and well, I remember when we if like so this is ages ago when we'd go to train together and we'd I'd be like about to warm up and then Sarah'd be like oh, I'm just gonna go on the cross trainer I'm like no no stay here and I'll I'll we'll go through a warm-up she's like no nah, I can't be asked I'm going on the cross trainer yeah. and that like that you don't do anymore that you no. will be like we'll warm up together so that's that's what I mean I think it is something that will keep evolving yeah yeah it comes with time as well see I have days and Jacob will tell you this as well we have days where I think it's at least once a week it used to be twice a week just going to the gym three hours nothing but pure stretching nothing else full body stretch from top of the head all the way down to your toes full body stretch and the feeling you get from it this is why I understand why people are so addicted to the physical side of yoga because the feeling and the release yeah. you get from yeah. having a loose body like when I drive I don't get, well, it's been like a year or two years now. I, I just don't get road rage whatsoever. So if someone cuts me off, <laughs> you don't get road rage at all. Because if you think about it, the position that we get the most amount of road rage is the position that we spend most of our time in, which is that seated position. Start on a chair where your hip flexors are continuously stimulated and contracted. Uh, and then you wonder why you're getting angry at things. It's because most, of, and science has shown that most of the, the tension and, and the sort of mental problems that we have, especially for guys, uh, is stored in the hips. But all our emotional problems and stuff are stored in the hips. You release that tension and then you release the, the, the sort of the effects of that tension as well. So it's just one of those things. I just found it a no-brainer that when I was sat in my car, it's probably the most time I, get, I ever get stressed in life. Because normally when I'm sat, and you've seen it, when I'm sat at block, I normally come in and I sit cross-legged. And for yeah. me, that's a natural position. People say, is that not uncomfortable for you just to be sat like that? And I'm like, well, it's just like you sat on a chair or scratching your ear. It's, it's so second nature. Um, and like we're saying, uh, once you get more into it, Sarah, the more you, you can't turn your, your back on it, you'll just keep doing it more and more because you start to feel how the body wants to feel. So yeah, yeah it's, it's think, quite amazing. Yeah, say, I think you pick up things off other people as well. Like I've definitely learned so much just from being exposed and working like in a place like block. Cause before I worked there, I never, I was never into yoga or anything yeah. like that. I didn't, um, I didn't get it. And speaking to so many different people now, it, it's so interesting. And I can definitely see how it complements you in different types of training as well. And yeah, I just think you learn so much off, di- off different people. And now I'm exposed to all these different types of people who are interested in different things. Like you pick up and learn off them. Um, and I've learned so much in the past, like eight, well, coming up to a year that I've worked there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about them. Talk about that then. Let's talk about the nutrition part. So, what pushed you towards mm-hmm. nutrition? Um, I've always just been really interested in food. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why. Um, I think it's probably just like a female thing. Like, I quite like making things look nice and pretty, and then, yeah, like just taking pictures of stuff. And then, I don't know. I just think there's a obviously a big st- stigma between like. Um, people going on diets and they have to be so restrictive and 
you really don't have to. And I, I, the main point I try to get across on my page is how you can have a really flexible diet and still eat all the things that you want to eat and still hit whatever goals you've set yourself and still live a normal lifestyle. Um, and yeah, like, I think it's the same with you, how Alex is really interested in mobility and he'll spend time researching that. I'm the same with food and yeah. I'll spend like every week when I'm planning what I'm going to eat for the week or what, what, we, what content I'm putting out, I'll spend like a good hour, two hours, like looking through recipes online and just, or like people I follow already, um, just to get inspiration and then just trial and error. I just quite enjoy it. Um, and again, like now we've started doing more online coaching and, um, we're actually dealing with clients who need that help and need that one-to-one support. It's so rewarding when you get to educate someone else that they can be, um, they can have a flexible diet. And like we base it off the, the fact that you tell us what you enjoy eating and we'll help you with that instead of just setting them like, this is a meal plan, you need to eat it. Mm. Um, we, get, we like to go off, well, you tell us what you eat and then we'll just go from work from that and obviously try and get them still eating the same things, but just being a bit more, um, just making changes every, like here and there. But yeah, I've just always been really interested in food. I don't know why. Um, I think your Instagram definitely shows that as well. It's the fact that when you first started off, I still remember, um, it was about the, obviously the workout and posting pretty pictures, but then as soon as you got into the, the food side of it, that's when you found, like Alex found his niche with the mobility. That's how you found your niche. And now everything is pretty much food. Like 90% of your content is all food. And you can tell by the likes, the amount of likes just gradually built up the more you start posting more about food. Because I think that's, mm-hmm. that's one big area of fitness that's missing. You know, people, mm-hmm. it's something that you would think would be a, a no-brainer that you'd be talking about nutrition. But to put it in a way that is uh, you know, beneficial to most people, it's, it's just something that, more people are not doing on these social media platforms. Mm. Well, it's 80, 20, isn't it? Like if you want to get a better, get in better shape or you want to look after yourself, it's, it's 80% diet. So I think, I think a lot of people focus too much on, Oh, I need to go to the gym six times, six times a week. I need to train for an hour every day. Um, and in fact, like it's mainly your diet and there's, doesn't have to be drastic changes like a lot of people can continue in eating the same things that they are it's just the little changes or substitutes that you need to make them aware of and i think because i'm so interested in finding these substitutes or um just giving people tips then like it's makes it easier for someone else who obviously needs that help well i've always said as well didn't i that like i knew a weakness of mine was providing people with help in terms of recipes and in terms of ideas because if I ever gave someone an idea it was so bland and boring because I'm like if, if Sarah wasn't making meals for me I would literally <laughs> just eat the same thing every single day it would have like barely any flavor it would be like is does what it says in the tin and it wouldn't bother me like I wouldn't I'd be like yeah whatever but so like I always knew that was a part of like my, what I was doing in PT that with my clients, I was like, I need, I wish I could do more help with that and get inspiration with, mm. with food recipes, which is why it's like hilarious with you. Like, look at all this. <laughs> I think what I try and like tell people as well is you, you don't have to be a gourmet chef to, yeah. to do it either. Like 
my cooking skills still have a lot of like improvements to be made um, and everything's trial and error but it's just being a bit more proactive and a bit more creative with it and just showing a bit more interest in because I think if someone's willing to spend so much time in um, going to the gym and focusing on the workouts and things you might you need to as well focus your time on what you're eating because that's just as big a part of the whole process so yeah. Yes. So it's interesting we're talking about food because Craig and I just finished a conversation about food, food and plastic. Um, and we were talking about mainly the Ayurvedic side, so the more sort of holistic sort of foods. Um, and it's interesting that, Alex, you said that you can just eat the same food over and over and over again, even if it might be bland. Um, there is a sort of Ayurvedic aspect to that. So that's based on um, not focusing your attention on the way the food tastes but in terms of the nutritional value it gives you. So you can pretty much put whatever you need for your daily calories in a plate and keep consuming that over and over again. And it's because your attention is more not about the flavor, but more about the, the nutritional side of it. And yeah. I, think that's, I think some people are not like that. Some people need some aspect of flavor. I guess that's where uh, Sarah comes in. Yeah. Well, you, your mum um, always used to say, you eat for purpose rather than taste. Yeah. Um, yeah, Which but I love I love food, don't I? Like I'm obsessed with food, and I love it so much. But like, I think, it, <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know when it comes to like just my daily food. I just I wouldn't be bothered. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just again I find with mine uh, as I don't know if Sarah knows, but I'm really picky with all my food. You know, I I rarely eat out <laughs> for that reason, um, and I always used to think that was a detriment. And I remember all the girls I dated back then were just like, well, one of the reasons we can't date you is you're freaking, you don't eat onion and garlic, you, you don't drink, you don't eat meat or fish or anything. So like, what the hell do you eat? And I was like, well, you have a completely different world. When you, like you guys knew, we'll talk about it. When you did your uh, veganuary, you realized that there's a completely different world out there, a different sort of market mm -hmm. to explore, especially since our market's quite new. In the last 10 yeah. years, it's just come well. So yeah. if you eliminate one aspect of your food, and I guess it comes into the realms of fasting on certain type of food. So for you guys, meat was a huge part of your lifestyle. And your, since you were kids, you know, eat meat. But as soon as you fast on that aspect, you eliminate that, 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 that one food, you have to really think outside the box. Mm. Yeah, it just makes you a bit more proactive. Like I think the first few days of us doing Veganuary, I think we both were thinking we're never going to be able to finish this because what are we going to replace certain foods with? But yeah, like you, you just start looking for more and by the end of it, like, yeah, I was quite happy to, ha to go back to, I think especially for me, dairy, but um, mm. yeah, you, we could have carried it on. And what? there's still, <laughs> there's still things now. Like we, we do eat vegan meals still. Um, there are some staples that we, um, obviously made during Veganuary and we've carried on because we like them. And again, like snacks and things, like you're just you're exposed to things that you've never even thought of before. So you just keep them in your diet. And yeah, it's not as hard as people think. A, <laughs> I think people are missing a trick when you are, and again, I'm not trying to offend people, but I probably will. I think you're missing a trick when if you are, if you're deciding to become vegan, and then you don't look into Indian food. You know, I just think mm. you're missing a massive trick because the thing is, we've had like 5,000 years of traditions of, of not consuming meat, fish or eggs. So 
if you're going to decide to become vegan, look at that aspect so you're not having to eat just raw food all the time. You can actually mm-hmm. cook food. So many different spices that most people have never been exposed to because they never look at those realms or they stick to the traditional curry that you find down the chippy that you find down the road from you. So <laughs> it's moving away from that uh, mindset and just exploring other aspects of, of, of people's cultures and food in general. And I think if the more you travel as well, the more you're exposed to these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, we definitely found our like favorite meals during Veganuary were the like curry dishes. Um, and you start thinking like, oh, they're all going to be the same, but they're really not. Um, yeah, they were definitely my favorite thing. But again, you look at it and it's like, if I, if I would have done Veganuary on my own, I would have, well, two things would have either happened. I'd have just packed it in or I would have done literally my normal diet and I would have hated, like it was all right. But if I'd have made every meal myself, I would have, my head would have fallen off because I would have literally just been eating such boring meals all the time. Rass. Like it, just rass. You, you were the just one that rass. were like, oh, look, I've just found these because they're good for protein. And I was like, oh, what? I'd have probably just had like uh, vegan protein all day, every day. And that would have been my diet. Vegan sausages. Yeah, vegan sausages. Yeah. On oh, that vegan bacon is not, <laughs> is weird. So Sarah, did you make that uh, dark? You, you were saying, you know, you were looking for ingredients to make dal. Yeah, I made a few dals. I didn't do the one with the mustard seeds that you said about because I couldn't actually find any mustard seeds. But I think if I looked right. hard enough, I probably, probably would have found them. But yeah, dal was really good, actually. Um, red split lentils are really good. Um, we've made quite a lot of stuff with that. Yeah, so the, that yeah. was the one you used. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're, yeah, give me two they're seconds, really easy. Oh. <laughs> one second okay so yeah we were just talking about dal now so red split lentils are just one type of dal it's one i actually try, try and avoid um i don't know why this we never really ate it when we were kids um, and uh yeah so i've tried it out but i just think if you tried the the sort of the, the chickpea dal so imagine a chickpea mm. split in half that dal is absolutely incredible uh, okay um, yeah I've not tried that. We've got um, green. We've had green lentils as well, yeah. but they don't. So they don't split. Yeah, the, yeah. the ones that sprout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They were good. Yeah, and no do you know? He has no idea. What we're about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to come back into mobility for Alex. <laughs> so with that, so we have this thing that really brings up flavour, and you would think, why the hell would you put that in your jar? But uh, we put this thing called jaggery. And it's basically uh, sugar cane, and it's been uh, extracted and then it's dried out, and it becomes this crystallized form. And it has a very sweet, sour taste to it. So the dal that you make, what usually happens is you want to kind of get strike a good balance between the sweet side of the dal and the sour side of the dal. And this item does that, and it just really enhances the taste and brings out all the flavors. Uh, but yeah, it's something I make for my friends when I'm making the dal. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's incredible how most people have never come across any of these stuff before. Mm, I think that's the same as me though, yeah. like um, spices and things. Like I definitely looked at more when I did, when I did beat January. Um, but be- before that, it was very basic. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just exposure to, to trying different things. I think you have to be willing to, to try stuff. I mean, I've never been, I don't think you have been ever uh, been a fussy eater. So I think, like, if you're willing to try stuff, you'll definitely find stuff that you like. Yeah. 
uh, also, but I think the fussiness comes, I'm defending myself. The fussiness comes <laughs> from um, what your body likes and doesn't like. So I can't have things that are too sweet or too sour. I absolutely hate vinegar. Uh, the only time I use vinegar is for my hair when I, when I dilute it in water and use it for my hair. But apart from that, just that weird tangy taste, my, it's not the fact that my, I can't consume it, but my taste bud doesn't like it and my belly will just will throw it up straight away. Mm. So anything that has a weird queasy taste, like I can't have cottage cheese, but back when I used to consume cheese, I couldn't have cottage cheese, I couldn't have goat's cheese because it literally smelled like a goat. Um, so <laughs> stuff like that. And, and, you know, you have your weird little things where certain things put you off. Um, and I just, I'm really bad with food like that. So do you know when you have cereal, especially when you have Frosties or cornflakes, if it goes soggy, that's a no-go zone for me. Yeah. You're eating it too slow. <laughs> you have to just eat it yeah, fast. I don't think I've ever experienced soggy Frosties. Have you not? I think what I do is I have it in a separate bowl. So I have the, the Frosties, uh, obviously the cereal in one bowl and the milk in the other bowl just to separate the two and make sure that I can take my time to consume that's so that is such an extra way of eating cereal <laughs> <laughs> see this is the other thing that uh craig and i talked about and we live in a society where we're so obsessed with being doing things multitasking you know we want to do multiple things at the same time we want to minimize the things that are the bare central so like you said at the start the trainers these days with the lockdown are now uh, have the ability to rest for eight hours now sleep for the full eight hours whereas it's just mm-hmm. Get as minimal sleep as possible. As long as you are surviving off it, just go out there and just do stuff. And I think that mm-hmm. lifestyle, also, obviously, it has a, a consequence. and You have to pay for it afterwards. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I said to Craig, there's, there's this concept called just uh, unitasking or single tasking where you focus on one thing and you just focus on that and nothing else. So funnily enough, when people say, I can't meditate, you can just sit there and consume one food and not have to read something or watch TV you start meditating because you're just consuming that food and you're thinking about the taste mm-hmm. of the food. So it's getting into the habit of doing things and focusing on one thing at a time as opposed to just piling it all together. Yeah. I think especially like if, if you're active on social media or like you have content that you're planning and stuff, like I definitely notice it um, where I pick up my phone and think, I'd, what am I picking my phone up for? Put it down. Like you don't, don't need yeah. it. Or like, you'll be sat watching the TV and you'll have your phone and it's like, you don't actually need all these different methods of distraction. Um, yeah. And so I think that ties into being able to switch off as well. Like if you've got too many things going on, you need to take a step back and think about what, what can I start eliminating to give myself, my brain a bit of a break. Definitely. Have you always wondered why your mother's cooking is better than going outside for food? Mm. Why is that just everyone loves that? Yeah. Is it just familiarity? Because you're like, well, as a kid, it's. Well, it could also be other things. And, and I think there's also evidence to suggest it's the love that, that your mother puts towards food. It's the actual effort. Like, you probably love Sarah's food compared to, like, you mentioned the pancakes, where you took it to Pure Gym and the trainers didn't believe that the pancakes you bought were made by Sarah. It's that scenario with the love and the, the effort Sarah puts towards making food. It's because she has a passion for it. And that's why <laughs> the taste is much better. Whereas if you go out there and you know, you're paying, you, you pay good money for food, but then it still doesn't have that same quality as your mother's cooking or your girlfriend's cooking. It's for that reason. Yeah, I, to- yeah, I totally agree. Not just because it's relatable to me. <laughs> but I, totally, I totally agree. Like, so I think, 
we were talking about this the other day um that i i quite like cooking obviously and meal prep for me is just it's convenience if i need to take food out outside with me but i do quite like just spending time like if it's 20 30 minutes just cooking it and then eat it eating because you have more of a um like satisfaction if you've spent time making something and like i get a bit of satisfaction saying i've made that and i'm going to give it to you and if you like it then it just it gives you gives does give you satisfaction i get rather satisfaction than, too <laughs> rather than just <laughs> buying it or um like meal prep is great convenience if you need to take it to work or whatever but you definitely don't get as much satisfaction from eating something out of a tupperware box than you do <laughs> off a plate because you've just made it yeah definitely and, yeah. i think the only thing a guy can relate to that is uh, when you build something and then you destroy it you know and people think <laughs> why would you spend all that effort building it and then just completely annihilate it um and it's because you the satisfaction is building it but also satisfaction yeah. is destroying it you know i so, i used to do that with lego as a kid i used to love building building stuff with my lego destroying it and then trying to build it without the instruction book yeah. And then it was even yeah. cooler. And then you'd destroy it again and you were like, right, next. You do that with flat pack furniture as well. Yeah, I love I love building <laughs> flat pack furniture without looking at instructions. I'm like, I don't need you. Yeah, there's some sort of uh, catharsis response you get from that kind of stuff. And I, I've got the same thing, and this is quite geeky, but I used to, uh, I never was a console gamer when I used to play games. I used to build computers and then just, you know, play games that way. People think, why the hell do you want to spend all the effort trying to build it? and then play it it's like well there's, there's some sort of satisfaction from creating things i think women can relate to that more with cooking and guys can relate mm -hmm. to that with with items and, and things like you know buildings and, and lego and stuff you want to build it it's the satisfaction that you get from building it but at the same time it's the fact that by the end of it it's, it's the fact that you made it is nothing compared to you you know you're getting a chance to remake it again you destroy it and you remake it so yeah and people find that's pointless you know people think that you've just spent all that effort and time doing it and it's like when you paint something uh, i used to paint with soft pastels uh when i was like seven years ago eight years ago and i used to paint it and then i used to get rid of my paintings give it to someone else and people are like you why, why the hell are you doing that why are you keeping all your paintings and it's because for me you see the flaws in that as well you see all the the moments in that yeah. painting where you were complacent uh, but at the same time it's the fact that you've done it now the service was actually the joy was building it and now getting rid of it it's just you know it means nothing to you mm. you could tie that into eating as well like you make a meal and you just eat it and it's gone yeah. yeah so it's the same concepts isn't it yeah exactly exactly right so back into mobility now <laughs> stuff that alex and i are passionate about so um what are your current mobility goals if you have any or just kind of floating it's massively still uh, to do the splits. Okay. It's getting Front closer and closer. Both, to be honest. Side, <laughs> I'm not too far off. Front is uh, obviously further off than, but it's getting there. It's just so, it's as you said right from the off, it's like it takes so much longer than, like, say, if someone came to me wanting to lose fat, I'd be like, right, well, we can do that pretty, pretty fast. But someone, like, for example, I, I have one client where, all we do is mobility, like all we've ever done is mobility. And um, like I've had him now for at least a year. And when he came to me, he he couldn't even like touch his knees, like that low of a, like tight of a hamstring. And like 
he used to say that he has to get his wife to tie shoes. And I remember when he first told me that like his, his wife, like he, he could tie his own shoes and he can reach and touch his toes. But like that wasn't a five minute process. Like that took a long time to get oh, yeah. to that. And we've still got a very, very long way to go till he's bloody in the Olympics. So like we've yeah. still got so much to do. And, that, and I think that's, that's what I mean. Like with me doing the splits, like I've wanted to do that for so long. And it's getting closer, but it's you just gotta keep getting closer and closer. Yeah, definitely. So let's touch on that point then. So this I think it's also a reflection of how society is going. Everything has to be immediate. Results yeah, have to be yeah. immediate. That's why more people are selling programs that give you, you know, six weeks you'll get this body, uh, twelve weeks, etc. It's because people want immediate results, but when it comes to mobility, the body will only adapt when it wants to adapt. You know, when there's a need for it to adapt. And yeah, I funny that you mentioned the client thing. I've got a client who's a good friend of mine and he's been with me for a year now as well. Pure mobility. It originally started off with, oh, I just want the basic stuff. I want, I want to look good, lift heavy, etc. But then I slowly kind of brought him to uh, my, my area, which is flexibility. And he started to realize that his body is so, like it's the body of a 60-year-old man, 70-year-old man. And I said to him, look, that's what the problem is. The reason why you are you're having degeneration in your knee it's because you are doing things that your body doesn't want you to do. Your body wants to be moving around and you're sat in your office, you know, working. Yeah, it's great. You're making a lot of money out of it, but, you know, by the end of it, you'll be in a wheelchair. You'll be spending all that money on trying to sort your problems out. Um, so you need to start making those changes now. And I remember a few months ago, um, the studio that I'm in right now, a, there was a trainer. He's actually, he works in Pure Gym, but he used to work in Market Street Pure Gym. Um, funnily enough, his name is Pure. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Hopefully he's not watching this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, he came to me and he saw that I worked on like flexibility and mobility and I was showing him the pancake and stuff. And he said, look, um, I really want to get the splits. And I said, which splits that? The front split, the side split? He said, the side split. And he goes, how long do you think it's going to take me? I said, well, I'm not going to give you any bullshit. I'm going to give you straight up. I said, how old are you, first of all? And he said, 35, 35 or 37. Said, okay, and what's your current flexibility and what, what's your daily lifestyle? He goes, well, um, you know, I do a lot of martial arts and this is my current flexibility. I said, no offense, it's going to take you at least minimum. If you're doing everything well and you don't get injured, at least three years. But for you to get where you want to get to, you're looking at at least five years, five to seven years. And he was like, and a bit no. was like yeah, and it was like, you know, I, and I said, that's how it is. And, and unfortunately, other people, you might get other people that will sell you programs that will reduce that time. But I guarantee you right now, hands down, you will get injuries. You'll get all the injuries that people get at gymnastics doing all these uh, flexibility stuff. Uh, you're going to get all the injuries because you're trying to get results a lot quicker than your body is allowing you. Um, and yeah. the, the stuff I've learned about mobility is actually a large portion of mobility isn't in the body. It's in the mind. So you have these barriers in place. You have a mind map of what you can and can't do. So for example, if I, if I get you guys to do a backflip, you know, and you don't have that experience in you, a backflip is something that's a terrifying, you know, thing to do. It's quite, first of all, it's unknown to go backwards that way. And secondly, you might have had a previous traumatic experience from it. So now you've already got that in, in your memory saying that doing this will equate to this. So if I say to you guys, you go to a um, kid's gymnastics class and they tell you to do a middle split, a lot of those kids, because a lot of those kids haven't been exposed to what a middle split is, even a beginner gymnastics class, because they haven't been exposed to that, for them, a middle split doesn't mean anything. There's no nothing in their mind that's saying yeah. middle split equates to this amount of pain. 
So they'll go easily into it. And for even the kids that are struggling with it, they'll get a lot further than us. And people will say, well, because the kids, they have more mobile muscles, etc." Yeah, that's true to a certain degree. But it's the fact that they don't have that response condition in there. Whereas for us, someone says do a middle split, you automatically feel what that feels like. You almost think about what that feels yeah, you like. You go tight already. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's known as the apprehension reflex. So we have this thing in our body that's in our mind, but it's triggered in the body where if I tell you to do something and you know you can't do it, you already have that fear of doing that kicking in. So that stops you from doing the middle split. Um, and all this stuff I, I kind of learned about, and they did studies on people under general anesthetics. So if you have someone who's been put under, you know, put under the, the drip or under general anesthetics, you can't bend them in any position you want. It doesn't matter what their mobility was like previously, you can bend them however you want. So that's why there's cases where operating nurses uh, that are learning, they go into a theater and end up breaking a person's rib because in that position, the person is really mobile because the consciousness is taken away. But as soon as you bring that consciousness back, all those habits they had previously come back. That's mm. nuts. Yeah, so this is the side of mobility people don't really know about. And it's because it's usually been kept a secret for uh, the circus industry. You know, the circus secrets don't <laughs> You know, and, and it's unfortunate. You would think that more people that know about this stuff would be coming out and saying, oh, look at this and look at that. And that's why PNF has become a huge thing in the last 10 years. Mm. Uh, more people invested time in PNF. But PNF was a trick that the circus performers to use to gain that extra range. Mm. So, yeah. So that's my, uh, my take on the, on the mobility stuff. And I've just learned a lot. So for you to get your middle split, the way to go about it, and one thing I've learned is to get... To get good at the middle split or to get good at a side split, you can't just be doing the middle split at the side split. You have to work on the areas that are restricting you in those, in those regions. Um, so for, for me, I think the hip flexor muscles and the, the outer hamstrings were my main restrictions. Um, but as soon as you open those up, then you get way more depth than you originally thought. Yeah, see, I, like, I would say my, like my hip mobility is, won't be the thing that's restricting me. It'll be, it's my hamstrings. Like stuff like say if I do a forward fold, yeah. I can I can get there over a, a long time. Like get and like I did a pancake the other day, and I was like, oh my god, look at that! And I could get like I was almost chest to floor. So, but like I don't feel the tightness in my hips. I feel it in my hamstrings restricts. Like I can feel my um like toes start coming in and my knees start to like bend because and I can tell that's because my hamstrings are just so tight. Um, but as you said, bang on. It's not like I don't just spend all day every day just sat in the splits it's a case of working on everything that's going to evolve around that yeah definitely definitely i think the age that you guys are at right now is now that people need to start doing it you know people say can i get middle splits when i'm like 60 years old well you're going to struggle you'll get close but you'll probably struggle but if you've got a background where you've done nothing at all and then you want to get these goals you're probably not looking it's going to take you a lot longer and, and it's just accepting that. And then people will say, oh, you're just doing that. You're saying that because you want to milk me for, you know, you want me to be your client and you want to milk me. No, just telling you the truth. You go to someone else who will get you quicker results, but you'll have to suffer the consequences. And there are a lot of situations where I've been listening to a lot of uh, injury podcasts and injury podcasts done by ex-gymnasts, ex-circus um, performers. And they'll tell you once they get an injury, so let's say you tear your muscle in your hamstring, your upper hamstring, and that's causing you a hindrance. What you realize is once you overcome that injury, that tear in your hamstring will actually benefit you. It will allow you to get into that restricted position that you were originally suffering before because you've got um, 
tension that's built up when you release yeah. that tension somehow. So you now, you've got an advantage to that, but then that means that you've gone through the long process of tearing it, which means if you want the same result on the other side, you'll have to end up tearing that as well. But situations where circus performers will purposely tear a muscle so they get extra range. And you just think that is not the healthy way of doing it. So if you want a middle split in three years time, you do it that way, you'll have to see <laughs> And I was explaining it to this guy, I was like, this is how it's gonna be. And he just, he wasn't listening to it. I'm like, yeah, that's fine, but you're, I'm not the person you, you, you wanna to come to then. You gotta to go to someone else. You better be in straight with them from the off though, as well. Yeah. And yeah. if they think they know better, then leave them be. They won't get the results. So I think it's the the big thing as well. You like you touched on age, and that was the big thing for me. Like when where I was before, as I said, like my my first gym was, I was experiencing firsthand these people that couldn't move well, and I was experiencing these people that are just really tight, and people that are sort of 50, 60, 70, that thinking it's going to be so, it's so much harder to undo that. And I was taking that as like, I don't want to let myself get to that. And then I was using it obviously on myself and trying things. And then it was using it on clients. And, and I was using it to myself be like, I want to do everything I can over the next 40, 50 years to make sure that when I'm their age, I'm still, I'm still moving well. And I'm, I've still be able to not like, get injured by pulling my hamstring because I was tying my shoelaces or little things like that, that, that we, sh we don't want to get injured by. And it was just experiencing it completely firsthand, really just opened my eyes to it. Um, and, and you touched on it as well when, when you said about your, that guy that you do mobility with, and it was the same with the guy that I do with, he, he came to me for like wanting to just be a bit fitter, be a bit loose and fat. And yeah. straight away in the consultation in my movement screening, I was like, no, 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 hang on. Wait a minute. Like we are, I was like, mate, that, that can go to the side. And this has been to the side for a, over a year. And it's been like, no, let's focus on making you move in the, in the best possible way for your body. And it, again, it, it's like pushing those boundaries to a point where you tear. And I think so many people, as you said, like, um, when you, when you look at these people on Instagram and posting stuff, you've almost got to be mobile to, no, you, sorry, you don't have to, but people think you have to, to post about it because then it looks impressive. Mm. But in reality, that's what then makes people think like, well, there's no point doing that because I can't do that. But it's all then about pushing in your, like I say to people that like their active range. And it's the same, obviously, when you're, you're using, doing a strength movement, like a squat, it's always working in your active range and, and moving to that range of motion. And it's the same with mobility. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're looking at someone who can do the splits and you're like, well, there's no point in me doing that because I can't. It's like, but, but try and, and then try doing like different variations and different things that's, that's good for your body and feels good for you. And as you said, you, you, it's, tri it's trial and error, like not one exercise will feel great on you that it does someone else. So it's about finding what ones work well for you and what, opens up more joints better and more muscles more than than it does another one and i think that's too many people just straight away neglect it because because they can't do the split so they're like well that's no point then they probably just think he, he can just do that and it's like yeah, yeah but yeah. there's actually a ridiculously long process to get to that and it's like as you said with the kids they're like oh well, it's a kid it's mobile it can do that and it's like yeah but there's still things behind it and then you look at people who continue doing that all of their lives it's like but they work on it so much. They're not, someone doesn't just walk up and just go, 
bang and like pop the splits it's just not going to happen that's how you'll be able to rip your hamstrings and i suppose then do the splits but like <laughs> it's just not how it works i think this is this is where the industry is moving toward i really do i think this is the awareness now is shifting from oh look i look great but i can't move shit to okay now let's let's focus on the mobility side of it um you know like you'll be honest with yourself you know that as well like if you look at your pictures uh, when you, the ones you're posting yeah you look great but you're not like shredded like compared no. to this most of the bodybuilders and it's because you're not looking for that you're not chasing that aspect of that goal and it's fine if you're chasing that but then understand that you have to accept the consequences of chasing that aspect you know one of the reasons why a lot of people look lean people say oh low body fat yeah that's great you can reduce your body fat intake but at the same time it's the amount of tension you have in the muscle fibers so if you're someone that's really tired so i've i've trained with climbers i find with a lot of these climbers are absolutely lean and jacked, but they are rounded as fuck. Like these kids are rounded like this. And you think when they get to my age, they're gonna be screwed, screwed really badly. And it's because their muscles are so tight. They're so lean, you can see all their muscles, um, but because they have so much tension in the muscle, the, the muscle is not allowed to relax. So you can't bring that natural posture back. That's ruthless, I didn't really, like, I didn't know about that. With Especially with climbers, I thought they'd be, because of the range you have to go through, I thought you'd all be, that like everyone would just be pretty good posture. Yeah. No, I think it's because you are, especially when you're working an overhang, so things that are tilting towards you, you're literally like that hunched on the wall. Oh uh, yeah, I suppose you're like constantly in like a bit of a hollow, aren't you? Like trying to, yeah, I suppose. That's never so that's why they're really thick right across the muscles of the back, but the front, the chest is literally just collapsed, you know? And it's, it's well, really like when, when you see like gym bros who all they do is train chest, and they will walk around like this and it's like, mate, it's because you've never done a pull exercise in your life. And it's like, you are having such a bad impact on your body, but you've got no idea. Yeah. And I think that's where we should probably move the conversation towards. How do you bring that awareness? How do you bring the awareness to your client that doesn't know that the fact that he can't touch his toes is a big problem? It's hard. I think it is hard because you you'll get some people who literally are like, but I just want to lose weight and I want to look good. And I think it, it part boils down to actually finding probably potentially a client that, that's going to work well with you. And I think that's why it's always important to develop your, your niche of people that you want to work with. And like something I, I, I always get across to clients straight away. It's when, when they say like, look, I want to lose fat. I want to do this and that. I'm like, okay, that's great. But first of all, we need to establish some relationships that you might not have ever had before. So it's like, we will get you losing fat and we will, well, that will happen. But like to go into it with like calories, it's like, look, let's find a nice healthy relationship now with food and let's mm. find a healthy relationship with enjoying the gym and, and moving. And I think that's, that's just what I try to get across people right from the off is, is just focus on it and then the rest will come and it can be hard sometimes to get that kind of across to people. But then I think it's important why like, so I'll do like movement screenings with things and probably straight away people will see because of the feedback then I give them of like, Oh, actually, well the ankle was doing this, which, and obviously it's, it's a cross chain, isn't it? So it's like the ankles going out of it and then the knee goes and then the hip goes. And I think then when you start highlighting that to people, it straight away kind of triggers like, Oh my God, I never really realized that. Or you say to someone, they're like, oh, my knee really hurts. And you're like, do you have tight hamstrings? And they're like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, okay, well, 
probably probably need to do that and then I was like do you have a bad back as well and they're like yeah my back's always really bad and I'm like and that's all and and then I think just by kind of quickly just developing stuff with people they very very quickly realize like oh this is actually maybe more important than I think so as I said I think it boils down to to potentially finding someone that that works well for you um, but it's just a case of just trying to get that point across them straight away and and not letting them divert away from it and and you look at these people who who are like bodybuilding coaches and, and that is their niche they're not going to be the people that get someone like get someone who isn't who isn't mobile at all and wants to lose weight but they'll do that but then they won't focus on the abilities that person will never have that and i think then the difference is when you have someone like us who's, who's going to preach it right from the off and they've potentially never had a coach that's talked about it it will already start sparking things because you're doing something different like I could go back to that movement screen and like I've had clients who have had a coach in the past like no one's ever done this to me before and I'm like yeah but that's because that's what I care about more, more yeah. than anything and this is why it's so important to do right from the off it's like if I don't know how you're moving and if I don't know what muscles in your body are tight which are affecting other places we're not going to be able to get you to to be able to do a squat in a in I, I like saying like in a sexy way like it when you when you when you watch someone doing a lift that is just flawless it's just it's so nice to watch but that will boil down to because they focus on their mobility and they work on that before and after and in between and no one no one that sorry people that can squat well don't just do it it's the same with the it's exactly the same with the splits and people will see this amazing split and be like, oh, I wish I could do the splits. Oh, well, and then carry on around their day. Oh, I wish I could squat with my ass to the floor huh. and then carry around their day. And it's like, there's so much that goes around being able to do that. And, it, and it's just too overlooked. Yeah, I think it go, comes back to that idea of just, you have, there's two types of people in this world. There's people that, this is why sport is a big thing because we like to appreciate people that excel in that industry. But there are people that will look at the sport and think, wow, that's, that amazing feat that he's doing or she's doing, it's amazing, but I just want to sit here and watch comfortably. And then you'll get the other people who will say, oh, that amazing feat that person's doing, I want to experience a tiny bit of that. Um, and it's something that uh, Craig and I mentioned in our previous podcast. So I got into free soloing. And again, it's, I'm not like a professional, I think, but so free soloing is basically climbing without a heart of the, yeah. without the room attached to you. So you are in the purest element. So if you fall... I, mine was only 25 foot compared to all these Alex Holland models, uh, 3,000 feet. But if I fall, I'm going to obviously end up breaking a leg or something. So it's just developing that mindset of, of feeling like, okay, I've seen this person do it and it terrifies the shit out of me because I don't sweat. My palms never get sweaty when I climb, but when I watch him talking about free soloing, I get so nervous. Um, and then to go out there and do it yourself, you're putting yourself in that element to realize I want to experience maybe even a a fraction of what he's experiencing when he's doing this. Um, and I think when it comes back to mobility and even nutrition, I think the fact that people will look on Instagram and on social media and just think, I really want that body or I want that, you know, middle split, etc. It's you have to start. It's, it's basic stuff. You have to start from step one, which is understanding how they got there, which is just start making those baby steps. Work towards researching exercises, work towards researching recipes that are beneficial to you as opposed to Going purely for the things that are taste, you know, that taste great or indulging in foods, work towards those things, and and then it will build up by itself. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's like uh, James Smith, he's spoken about before how like, say if you're driving in a beeped up, like horrible car and you're at traffic lights and a Ferrari pulls up next to you, you don't look at that Ferrari and go, oh God, I like look at me in my rubbish car and then go home and cry yourself about it. You just go, oh, that's quite nice. And then you just carry on. Like, but you don't get so depressed and so worked up about it. Yet people do that on Instagram mm-hmm. and they look at someone and they go, I wish I looked like that. And then it just really bothers them. and and then create such a negativity around it. And it's like, you, why? Because as you said, it's you're, you're comparing where you are and trying to act stage one to someone who's been doing it for years and years and years and years. And that's the process that someone has to go through. Yeah, definitely. So let's tie this in then. Um, in regards to flexibility, uh, I have a strong feeling that if you can and this brings in nutrition as well. If you can consume foods that obviously don't hinder problems in the body, so foods that are too acidic, you know, um, I, I always say, obviously you guys are big on this, but um, like, I feel like you, if you can restrict your meat intake, you know, foods that cause dissonance in the body, try and minimize that, and that way you have a better frame of mind to, to be able to do these movements. That's why yoga is such a big thing in the East, and especially now in the West. It's because yoga gives you that platform um, to ease the, the conscience itself. So to get into a meditative state, you have to have a body that allows you to do that. You know, it almost allows it to, to manifest itself in, in the uh, environment. So how do we tie in nutrition with flexibility or mobility? I think it's, it's just eating the foods, obviously, that, that benefit you. And like, again, it's down to the performance element, um, whatever your goal is. But if you're looking for the best performance out of you, yourself you've got to be feeling your body with the foods that you need um and again like different food groups are going to give you different um like energy and things like that so i think it's just educating people and getting to understand yourself as an individual what what foods benefit you um and i've definitely learned that um coming from say like four or five years ago before I started like properly going to the gym and things like my, my diet was awful. Like I used to eat biscuits, sweets Skittles. all the time. Like I still eat them now, but obviously eat them in more of a moderation, but my, um, mindset, my fatigue, everything was totally different because I wasn't fueling my body with any sort of food. That like you gonna... used to nap all the time. Yeah. Just like, always napping. And it was like, what are you napping for? I used to. I'm tired. And you're like, what? How? Yeah. But that's, I wasn't tired because I wasn't getting enough sleep. Back then I used to have more sleep than I have now. But it's because I was eating all the wrong foods. Yeah. Um, You were always someone that were like, I need nine hours. I was like, you do not need nine hours sleep, you freak. It was like nine hours and then napping as well. I was like, you need to sort your life out. But it was Mm. purely down to the the foods I was eating. Just not giving me... The, the fuel that I needed. So um, it's all like the mindfulness as well, isn't it? Like that thing of if you if you do have like a big bowl of big bowl of salad with loads of veg and loads of greenery, mm-hmm. you do feel good, and it it does like help this sort of nice feeling in your body. Whereas you compare it to when you have like a, a big pizza or something like that, and you just feel rubbish after it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difference between the mind and the stomach as well. Because you think, yeah. oh, I feel really good in the stomach because you obviously feel full. <laughs> Um, but in terms of actually in your mind, it, it's a whole different different ball game. And what 
um, like we were especially at the moment when we've been taking on new clients, I've been saying to them about their diet, say stick to what we've talked about for, for seven days. And I promise you, you'll, it'll click in your head that you only need to do something for that short period of time for it to all click. And I think a lot of people, I was guilty of it. You do things for maybe two or three days and think, Oh, I I can't be bothered anymore. Um, but you need to stick at it for that and just that little bit longer. And it does, it does make a massive difference. Yeah, Yeah, I completely agree. I think so. We're tying in with what you're saying with foods affecting how the mind is thinking. So the biggest example is alcohol, right? People in the fitness industry, mm-hmm. you would think there'll be people with minimal alcohol consumption. But it's quite the opposite. The amount of alcohol these people drink uh, is incredible. And you just wonder, you know, you're telling people, uh, and again, I'm not putting anyone down, but you're t- telling people, you're trying to advise people on living a more healthy lifestyle, but you're doing the opposite. And I feel like that culture only comes about because you are creating this false image that you look good. So with the people that are aesthetically driven, a large portion of them are probably, and again, I'm not trying to generalize anything, but a good portion of them go out there partying and they drink a lot, you know, and not really look at the moderation. And they go with the, <clears throat> the outlook that I'll, I'll just be able to burn whatever I'm consuming, but then what's the effect on your mind? How is it changing mm. your mindset-wise? So how do you get a client to move away from that mindset of, oh, um, I want to train so I can continue consuming as much as possible? I think it's more por- like portion sizes and having a bit more control. Like, cause we would never say to a client, Oh, you can't, you can't have drink. You yeah, can't it's, drink rest- anymore. it's restriction. Isn't I it? think it's more getting them to realize, okay, so if you go out this weekend and have a lot of drink, really think about how you feel the next day and what your mindset's like towards all these new goals that you've now got set for yourself. Cause they'll soon realize that everything's going to be a lot harder for them if they, if they do go out and go have a drink. Well, it's, um, it's funny how much of a knock-on effect it is though, isn't it? By, mm. by going and drinking and at the end, they spent like just blowing out all your calories, but there's so much more in terms of obviously all the toxins you're putting in your body. Mm. You wake up the next day and then you just spend a day of being lazy. You spend a day of eating absolute rubbish mm. and you absolutely you feel it it doesn't matter how much sleep you get on after drinking you will wake up tired and it's just by that little factor of your of your potential week like some people it's like they live for that weekend and they live for that sort of night out and getting trashed and it's like and then it's kind of like repairing their body over the next three four days to then do it all over again and it's just Mm -hmm. this constant negative cycle and 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 i think I don't want to say it too, like too much because it's, I don't want to generalize it, but like when you look at things like depression and, and people having sort of like that negative mindset, a lot of it will be related to people who just drink too much and people who potentially take too much drugs. And it's, it's all then this, this cycle when you completely flip that on your head and people who, who eat well and, and get like nice vitamins and minerals and then people who train a lot and look after themselves there's there's probably there's a well there's there is a correlation between those people and it just shows the impact that that like what something so little can have on the rest of like the well not just the week the months the years of and just like someone's someone's life yeah <clears throat> sorry yeah i completely agree i think it really goes into that uh mindfulness side you know uh, and it's, it is a large portion of it is based on nutrition. You know, if you are going to do that, you're going to basically abuse. At the end of the day, it's all abuse. 
if you decide to abuse your body, you're still abusing your body. If you decide to abuse your mind, you're still abusing your mind. So the types of food you consume, the biggest poison that we have today, it's not alcohol and it's not smoking or drugs. The biggest poison we have is sugar. The amount of sugar people are consuming is absolutely horrendous, isn't it? And mm. people just don't see that. They'll just say, oh, um, you know, I'm getting these, these problems in my heart. I'm getting these problems in my body, but I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm not smoking. I'm not doing anything too crazy. But then you ask them, what's your, where's your food? Like, where's the majority of your food coming from? Oh, um, I'm consuming foods that are packaged quite a bit. Or I'm consuming yeah. foods that are high in salt and sugar. And so it's like, that's what the problem is. How do you not see that as an issue? Mm-hmm. And it's the same, it comes, ties in with the, like your energy levels as well. Obviously, you're, if you're it's eating just... a high sugar diet, you're spiking your, your glycogen levels. And people don't realize that. And obviously, that's what's going to make you feel tired, feel like have a negative mindset because you do feel tired. And I think, yeah, just getting that healthy balance definitely. Well, it's like if someone, if someone says, like, oh, whenever I eat, I always need like a nap or something. And it's like, well, you need to seriously look at what meal you just eaten then because yeah. you, should, yeah. you shouldn't <laughs> feel tired after eating. You should almost feel the opposite. Mm-hmm. So. And I think as well, like um, it's w- water as well. Not um, not enough people, yeah. Um, yeah. Massively, like the the general population just do not drink enough water. Mm-hmm. Or they also drink water that's got flavors in it, you know. Or I can't yeah. drink water because who likes the taste of water? Like you, you don't like the taste of life, then you don't like water. You know how how does that even make sense? I don't like the taste of water. It's a big problem, yeah. and it's a big problem in kids as well. And I don't really blame the kids because it's the way the kids have been brought up. You know, you've got to exactly. bring your kids up in a way that, um, and I know a friend of mine who has never given his kid any chocolate whatsoever. So obviously mm-hmm. that is not good as well. But at the same time, he's, he feels as though when the child is old enough, he can make up his own mind what he wants. So, and I think that's a really healthy way of looking at it. And people will say, oh, well, you're, you're stopping that child from being a child. Well, yeah, you're, you might be doing that, but you're stopping the child from being a traditional child. But what you'll do in, in the long term is create a child that really understands his body more. You know? And I don't think people see that. They just see, oh, you're, you're abusing your child by not allowing the child to do whatever he wants. You know, I just think people are, just want things in black and white these days. They don't want the gray area of gray that most of us all mm-hmm. exist in. Um, so what about fasting? So what's your take on fasting for both of you guys? Um, it's all down to the individual. I think... I don't do long periods of fasting, but I find it does help if I'm trying to maybe be a little bit more restrictive, say, um, for example, if I've been out on the weekend or I know I just want to try and cut things down a little bit. Um, mm. Definitely, I, I eat eating breakfast later and then having your last meal a little bit earlier definitely does help, but just by shortening that eating window. Definitely does make you feel a little bit, well, it makes you feel more satisfied during the period of eating. Um, but I think it's all down to the individual and how, how um, it can fit into your lifestyle as well. Um, some people, it's obviously just not very convenient for them. Um, but I personally find it does help a bit. Um, yes, yeah, so yeah like I find it, it depends what I'm doing in terms of training. Mm-hmm. Like I can't train fasted. I just can't do it. I just don't have the strength. I don't have the energy and I don't have the focus. But I find if, say... Well, when I'm working and I'm on the gym floor, I can easily sort of not eat. I, do, I don't fast in terms of like to the proper, like as in not fasting <laughs> until sort of like, 
yeah, like five, like five o'clock. And I, mm. I, it, when I say like I might fast, it will be till like midday, but mm. I can easily do that. And I, I feel so much better doing that than say if I was to wake up and have breakfast, I would then feel hungry halfway through the morning and then I'd start like slacking off again. And I think then it boils back to that kind of like the, the spike and, and by not eating and delaying that sort of eating window helps me massively um, on the gym floor. As I said, like I'll do that when I work and I've, I've, I almost function quite well off it. But if say I was to go straight in and train, I just, I have to have a meal then before I, before I actually come and train. And in terms yeah. of you said as well, like in, I haven't like been in a deficit for, I don't even know how long, but like if, if I was going down that route and when I, when I did used to do that, it was something I used to do all the time because it just helped me to have less calories. Yeah. So talking about the deficit then, um, what's your take on, it's going from one conversation to the next conversation. So what's your take on the, the cycle of bulking and cutting? Are you a fan of it or do you feel like it should be a bit more consistent? consistent and i think we've like we're very similar now um but like we've experienced it firsthand and i think you just get in this constant negative situation where you're never happy because you're Mm. when you're cutting you're okay you're you you, you're dieting down you're looking great but all you're thinking about is food and you're thinking about the time that you used to be bulking when you could just eat anything then you flip that on its head and you start bulking, you start putting on a little bit more timber and you're like, oh, I wish I was cutting again. And like, it's that, it's that saying of you, you look your best when you feel your worst and you feel your best when you look your worst. Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that thing and it's, and that's why I hate it. And I th- I've experienced firsthand how bad it can affect you and how, deep of this cycle you can go and I think that there's this there's this and as I said before about a relationship with with clients and food and that's what I try and nail in straight from the R you can you can it's, it comes back to like tracking and I think you can get so obsessed with tracking and get overly like putting in broccoli and peppers and like we've done it and I've, I've done it to where you're you're weighing out your oats and it goes a gram over. So you get a gram and you put it back and it's like, it's a Jeez. gram of oats. Like who cares? And I've been to that point and I've been to the point where you restrict calories so much that it's destroyed. Like you've got no energy. Your training is rubbish and you're just like an empty shell of a human. And all you're thinking about is food. And then as I said, you, I then go, right, well, I'm going to start bulking again now. And you just like, Oh, I wanna, and I, I would genuinely say that I've probably made more progress in the last year and a half since because my la- my last time I've done either was when I was bulking and I was I was towards five and a half thousand calories because because of my job and because of being so active I was and I've got good metabolism metabolism anyway I was having to force the food in and I I think that kind of just got to a point and it was almost I'm glad it happened I got to a point where I just got so annoyed by the whole thing i was just like i can't stand this anymore and i'm i hate this constant cycle so then i was like right you know what i'm just gonna enjoy my life a little bit i'm gonna i'm gonna just stay at maintenance i'm just gonna not track my food anymore i'm just gonna eat to eat to perform well and and listen to my body and if i'm hungry i'll eat if i'm not hungry i won't eat and just i know what my body needs i know how much protein and what sources of protein i need to kind of eat 
And I've probably made more progress in terms of every aspect, like strength, like muscle, like mobility in the last year and a half than I probably did in however long it was before that, because you're not giving your body what it needs when you're in that mm. deficit. And then when you're in that bulk, you, you, you almost just like take it. It's just, yeah, I just don't like it. <laughs> I could just keep going on about the same point, but and like, you're the same, like you've, yeah. you've had that negative reaction with with a deficit you just get i think you get obsessed with your food and like food yeah we we eat for enjoyment but we shouldn't be so obsessed obsessed with with it and yeah food fuels us for performance but we shouldn't be so obsessive with it to the to the point of tracking things like you said excessively yeah. and over over trying to over consume to hit a certain target it's, it's like when a client will say like oh well I, I made a homemade lasagna and or like spaghetti and i put this 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 like how do i track it and i'm like just put the spaghetti and the meat in that's what i don't it doesn't matter you don't need to put your onions your peppers your speed seasoning your like just that doesn't count and i think that's that's where you can start getting this down this dark hole with it mm-hmm. and like well, well you, actually, to fit, so with my fitness pal, like we used to go on holiday, and Sarah would be tracking on holiday on my fitness pal, and I used to have a break from it. And I was like, Sarah, get like, what are you doing? Just stop tracking. She's like, I'd just like to know. And it's because you just get so obsessed. Yeah. You, just, yeah, you don't need to be like that. But it really isn't healthy, is it? Though? No, it's not, not at all. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I experienced something similar like that, but I think I got out of it really early. You just realize that you sacrifice the time that you should be socializing and having a good time with people. You're wasting that because you're too worried about, oh God, like I think I ate too much, this and that. Um, yeah, yeah I, just, I completely don't agree with anything that requires one cycle and another cycle, continuously going from one extreme to the extreme is not going to be good for your body. You have mm-hmm. to find that balance in between. And like we said earlier, like, I feel like this is where the fitness industry is going towards. I think we're going to move out of this phase where now the stereotype of a person that trains and is healthy looks like bloody Mr. Olympia. I think we need to get out of that mentality. And I think that's what's happened. I think it is, yeah, it, 100%. You look at 300, if you ever watch the movie 300, yeah. and everyone wanted to look like those guys. But what they didn't realize is behind the scenes, those guys were training like flipping yeah. tires and stuff. Mm. And, yeah. and people, people don't want that. People just want to look good for the sake of looking good and looking athletic. But it goes back to that analogy of a cat, you know, um, I remember one of my exes used to have a cat, and I, I never was a fan of cats, even though I studied zoology. Um, and I remember when, when the cat was sat on the bed, I would kick it over, and it would fall on the side, and every time I kicked it over, it would land perfectly, softly on the ground. I'm just like, this is incredible, and I just became really obsessed with the cat. And just the way the cat moved, you know, see, it's incredibly elegant, and it's just bringing about that elegance to our body. And I always wondered, I brought it back to human beings, because obviously then I was studying animals. I was just thinking, why is it that human beings have lost this ability to, to move so elegantly? And I've learned it from my client as well. And he was just like, it's incredible how when, you, when you're there, when you're catching a ball, I read a session where I didn't drop the ball. We, we do this moment where we throw the ball at each other. There wasn't one single, single uh, moment in that session that I dropped the catch. And he goes, how the fuck do you do it? And I said, well, I'm not trying to uh, predetermine where the ball's going. I'm not trying to put all this into my head. I'm just letting it come. So when you're throwing the ball, I'm reacting to the ball, whereas you, you're overanalyzing everything. How do I dive? How do I do this? What happens if I dive and get injured? It's that aspect that separates a person who's naturally athletic and who's not, 
I don't think it's natural. I just think it's the fact that you've exposed yourself to a lifestyle that requires that from a young age, where someone who hasn't had that active lifestyle for God knows 20 years of their life decides to do it, you're not going to have it. It's just creating those habits and those motor programs in you. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's a huge eye-opener for a lot of the fitness people now that this is where the fitness industry needs to move towards. And if you don't do it, you're going to fall behind. Yeah, and I think it is. It's good to see like how much. If it's like with all the functional areas that are now popping up, like you look at pure gyms, like the the sort of kit that they brought in and the changes they made, and they had the rig and stuff. And to be honest, there's a there's a few things that is annoying that they haven't got, like the bars going out. But like, um, although to be fair, they are getting it. Well, actually, it was supposed to be. I think this kind of time, but obviously it's closed. They were going to get a new rig in uh what was i talking about yeah so like but you look at how many now new gyms are open that preach so much of here's a track and here's tires and here's sandbags and trying to get people doing more functional aspects instead of just like this there's a machine over there and there's a machine over there go go use the chest press um and it's helping people a lot lot more and i i i think it boils down as well like i just find it fun like I don't get an enjoyment anymore. Like I used to, it was how I used to train, but I just, I just get bored. Like we speak about it, didn't it? Like just sat on a chest press, like doing reps. I'm just bored. It doesn't, it doesn't phase me, but doing like a fun, more explosive, like powerful movement. That's a bit more technical. I love and like pushing your boundaries in terms of like, in terms of your fitness and in terms of, pushing that like aerobic capacity, I just enjoy so much more. And my, my, my goal is just, just what I say to people is just to do cool shit. Like I want, I almost train for everything to do. And sorry, I train everything to do anything. And it's like, if I wanted to just go outside and run, I could run, but tomorrow I won't wake up and be like, Oh my God, my hips, my hamstrings. And I think that's what a lot of people then do is they like, you look at how many people are now going running because they might not have been able to before and they're hurting their knees and they're, they're hurting all these ankles and they're, they're almost having this then negative effect. But it's when you, when you look at all the aspects of fitness and all the aspects of training that we can have, and that's including the mobility and all the performance side of things you can, you can do so much more around that. And I, it boils back to, as I said, right from the off, like when you focus on that, you, you get that aesthetics as well. Whereas when you, when you just focus on the aesthetics, you've just, that's all you've got and that's all you've got to show for it. And if, if someone says to you, oh, let's go on a sprint race, you, you, you'll pull your hamstring. Whereas Mm. it's like, what's the point? Like, what's the point in looking fit and you're not fit? Like, yeah. Like who wants that? It makes no logical sense whatsoever. That's why I got down the path of um, handstands. I became really obsessed with it because I got sick of the old shit. Um, I met, funnily enough, I met one of my good friends, uh, well, what's his name now? Shit. Uh, Scott. Um, He's he's an amazing acrobat. And I met him in Pure Gym, in our our Pure Gym, when the old rig used to be there. And I saw him do these monkey bar swings, like missing a bar. I'm just like, that's how we're supposed to move. Like, it's exactly how a monkey does it. You miss a bar and you use your momentum to catch the next one. But most people don't have the structural integrity in their shoulder mm-hmm. to be able to do that or to have that articulation. So it just shows how much we're lacking. And the fact that when, you, when you're when exposed to people like that, it really opens up your eyes. And that's why I really got into handsome training. Skill-based training is definitely more pleasing to the eye. Like I've seen, I used to train with one of my, one of my acrobat friends, uh, Helena, 
she would be there for three hours. And you, I swear to God, if you ask the old trainers that, that were there back then, they'll tell you that you can literally just spend those three hours watching a train and you can walk away feeling satisfied. Just because how, how elegant she was doing it. You know, it just had this, she had an amazing amount of grace towards her, towards her training. And, and people have an appreciation for that. And that's why sport is a big thing. I think when you try and mimic that, but you take away that aspect, that elegance away from it, then you're just left with the exterior. Oh, she looks good, but fuck, she can't move. You know what I mean? It's just that you know straight away. You don't need to know anything about sport or fitness to realize that that person, yeah, they look great, but they can't do anything. Yeah. So, yeah. How long does it take? I've potentially got a call in like two or three minutes. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to wrap it up. It's about yeah. an hour and a half. <laughs> right. Man, that was amazing. I think it's going to delve into another the part some point but yeah that was awesome i don't know how you guys found it yeah well thanks yeah. for having us yeah thank you for having us yeah no worries and, at all uh, hopefully we catch up before lockdown's <laughs> over <laughs> well yeah like we said we're enjoying this lockdown so i wouldn't mind catching up with you guys like this as well mm-hmm. yeah 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 that's good idea. yeah right okay so i'm gonna put your links your instagram stuff and all the, the uh, social media links on my description of this video um so this was podcast number 14. I think I mentioned it was 13 at the start, but it's 14. I was joined by Alex and Sarah. Uh, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy this. It's a different insight to the usual stuff that we talk about. But yeah, we'll catch you uh, next time. And this will be on Spotify, YouTube, and a preview will be on Instagram. If you guys want, I'll send you the video and you guys can post it as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. Good, yeah. Done. Right. See you guys later. <laughs>